Welcome to the Stripped Money Podcast with Lungile. Thank you for giving us your ears as we break down money to its bare bones, letting you know how your money can work for you. How do we educate our children about money? Today we're shifting gears to financial literacy, especially when it comes to our children. It's no secret that as a nation, we're a little behind when it comes to knowing just the basics about how to manage money, like how to budget. Another thought is 70% of wealth is lost by the second generation and 90% by the third generation, which means that only 10% of families manage to maintain generational wealth beyond the third generation. And that's if you're wealthy to begin with. It's stats like these that highlight for me how important it is to teach our children about money when they're still young. Our guest today is Gugu Sidaki, co-founder of wealth management firm Wealth Creed and author of the Nala series of books, which aims to help our little ones learn more about money. Among other things, she and I will discuss ways to teach our kids about money in their different ages. Welcome to Stripped Money Conversations, Gugu. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Lunila. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Um, I must say that this topic is so close to my heart for many reasons. I remember when I was coming up with um, my wish list for this podcast, I kept telling my husband, Wuti, there's this lady who wrote books for children, teaching them about financial <laughs> education. <laughs> And it, I, yeah. I don't think he paid attention. And then one day we walked into a bookshop and I was like, here's this lady. He's like, oh, I know this lady. And I'm like, really? I've been talking about her for six months <laughs> and you haven't said anything. <laughs> and you've said nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so really, really excited to have you on the show today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Cool. So let's get straight into it. Would you like to just tell us about the series of books that you've written? Sure. Um, I've written three books, uh, financial literacy books for children. Uh, it's called the Nala series. The first one is Nala and the Save Piggy Bank. Mm -hmm. uh, the second is Nala and the Share Piggy Bank. And then the final one is Nala and the Invest Piggy Bank. Um, the thought process behind that was to take children through a sort of a financial planning process that's appropriate for them. So it's, it's, it's what we normally chat to clients about, but distilled in a way that, that makes sense for children. Okay. Um, so you've been in financial services for some time now. Um, why did you decide to delve into the children category? Um, so I've, I've recently become self-employed. It's, it's been two years now. I run my own financial services practice. Mm -hmm. And a big part of what we do um, in the practice is to host financial literacy sessions and to teach adults about money. Um, and, and the thing about, the interesting thing about these adults is that all of them are educated. All of them are super experienced and industry leaders. And, and really, you know, trailblazers in, in what they do. But for some reason, when it came to, to money, money matters, financial planning, personal finance, um, they, there was always a, a lack sort of, of, of information. And um, as we went through the, the, financial, the, the financial training sessions, you know, these, these people would always say to me, gosh, I wish I had this information when I was younger. You know, my life would have turned out, or my money would have been, my money management skills, 
girls would have been a lot more different, you know, now, present day. And a few of them have actually requested um, us to host their children um, to have sort of similar financial literacy sessions for their kids. And, and that literally is how the idea for, for the books came about. And I'm, I'm also a, a new mom. I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And during that process, I thought, gosh, you know, it, it would be great to have this information readily available, not just for my children, but for, for other children like them. Okay. Um, just to sidetrack a bit, I'm curious why you called the series Nala. I don't know if you know, but my middle name is Nunala. So, oh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I love that name. That's my daughter's name. Oh, okay, <laughs> so the, okay. The books, my daughter's name, name is Nala, so the books are named after her. Yeah. Okay, cool. Such a beautiful name, even if I have to say it for myself. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of the practical steps you spoke about? You were obviously thinking about how you want to get your children involved and thinking about money differently. What are some of the Mm. practical steps that parents who are listening can take to teach their children about money from an early age? Mm. One of the hardest things for, for adults to do, and I'm sure you can attest to that as well. I mean, it's something that I struggle with quite a bit um, is living within your means, Mm. you know, understanding that, you know, if you have a rand and the rand needs to last you the next six days, the next 12 days, or whatever the case is, is one of the most difficult things to do. And because credit is so easily available, easy money is, 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 is mm. everywhere. You know, people take for granted the, the, the habit of living within your means. And I think the sooner that is taught, the earlier that is taught, um, the quicker people will be able to... to um, start investing and then ultimately creating wealth. So as a parent, if you can teach your child um, to live within their means, um, whatever that means for, for the child, so whatever is age appropriate, mm. I, I promise you, you would have made a massive difference in your child's life. So if, if and, and one of the biggest lessons with, with living within your means is delayed gratification. And, and it's teaching children boundaries. So if you say to a child, I'm going to give you ice cream or you're going to get ice cream, but just not right now. Mm. You know, you're going to have to wait a day, an hour, whatever the case is, but getting children into the habit of waiting for things that they want for whatever reason. So whether they still have to accumulate money or whether you have to accumulate money in order to get them the things that they want, however you want to teach that lesson, that's probably one of the best ways um, to teach children about money. One of the first lessons that you actually need to teach your children. Is, is delayed gratification and, and to live within their means. Okay, that's a good one. Um, maybe let's take our listeners through some of the ages. Um, someone who might be listening might have a four-year-old um, and they know that someday they'll be 12 and then they're going to be 18. What kind of advice would you have for the different age groups? Um, for, 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 for children younger than seven, children are tactile. So they learn by touching, by watching and observing. So children younger than the age of seven need to see you living good financial, uh, personal finance um, principles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you go to the shops with your children, before you get into the car, jot a few things down, write down your budget or write down your shopping list and talk them through it, explain to them that, you know, we, we need to get bread, we need to get milk, and we need to get cereal for the week. Um, that's all mommy's going to buy because that's all mommy has money for. And, and when you get to the shops, you know, put those things in the basket. And as you do that, take them off and don't take anything beyond that. Mm. 
You know, and when you go through the aisles, that's one of the hardest things to do is, is not to take the packet of crisps and not yeah. to take the sweets. When Pay for them at the table and walk out, you know, and, and as you're doing that, talk them through the process, explain exactly why you're doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, mommy works, mommy earns X amount, you know, to, to supply our needs and mommy needs to buy, you know, groceries, fill the for the car with petrol and all these things cost a specific amount of money if mommy starts veering off the plan you know then maybe there'll be less money for petrol less money for petrol has specific implications it means mommy can't go to work or mommy can't you know take you to your play date or whatever yeah. the case is you know make it practical in a way that that, that they understand um, as children get older you need to teach them that money money's earned you know it doesn't fall from the sky mm. it, it Mom has to work every day and mommy puts in effort, you know, to get that money out. And the same goes for you, you know, 10 year old, 12 year old. I'd love to buy that Xbox, but, um, you know, I don't have the, how, what do Xbox boxes cost these days? It's, it's a lot of money, right? Yeah. Three, four grand or whatever. Yeah. The amount, even if you have that money, you know, it, we're back to the delayed gratification lesson. Even if you do have that money, try not to overindulge your children. You know, as, as parents, we do try to, you know, overcompensate maybe for the things that we didn't have growing up. In fact, you're actually doing your child a disservice the more you give in to their whims, you know, because you're mm-hmm. creating a little monster that's, that's not going to be able to manage their finances when they're in their 20s and their 30s. And it's, it's a potential problem, not just for, for them, but for you as the parent and for society in general, you know. So teach them that, you know, you're going to have to work for this Xbox. So do some chores in the house, mm. go get a part-time job or wh- whatever is age appropriate for them. But the lesson always has to be, you cannot get everything you want right now. You have to put it in the work to save the money. You will get it at a later stage. Okay. Just talking about working for your money. Um, I know that part of the books um, are chore, chore sheets or chore charts. Mm. Yes. How, do you, how do you as a parent choose which chores to remunerate them for? Because in my view, there's quite a bit of benefit in being a responsible member of the household and not having to be paid for yes. doing your bed or doing the dishes. So how do you balance the two? Look, you have to make that call. I mean, each household works differently. Um, my, my children are still a little too young to, to be doing their beds properly. Mm. Um, and I also feel, I, I agree with you, they, they shouldn't be paid for that. Um, they, 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 they leave their room in an absolute mess. Toys are all over the, the place. They, they need to clean that up without it actually being compensated for that. Um, but, but you have to make that call, like I said. We, I, I'm, a, I'm an avid gardener. Um, I've got a veggie patch and every now and again I, I, I go into the garden and I prune and I, I do all sorts of things there and they like to join me in that. And um, so one of the things that I enjoyed getting them to do is to to sweep, you know, between the house and, and my garden. We've got like a little uh, walkway and, and we've got a massive tree from the neighbors that always, you know, deposits leaves and stuff. Yeah. It's not a massive task, but it makes a difference, you know, when mm-hmm. those leaves are cleared on a daily basis. So while I'm gardening, I always say to them, I mean, they find the three, you know, they, they, they don't know how to clean it, but, but sweeping is a lot of effort if you're five and three, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I always say to them, if you clear the leaves, you know, in a way that they understand, you know, it's, it's never perfect, but I always say to them, while mommy's gardening, if you guys clear the leaves, I'm going to give you 10 rands. And it's always such a massive excitement for them. 
know, they haven't quite understood the value of money as yet, but they do understand, gosh, if I do this for mommy, you know, I'm going to get some money and then I'm going to buy sweets with my money, you know, (laughs) that's, that's for babies, for, Mm. for older children. I think, I think getting them to, yes, they, they need to know how to clean up after themselves. They need to know how to wash the dishes and things like that, but there's also no harm in, in encouraging them from time to time um, with, with money, you know, and it's an incentive. But like I said, it, each household works differently. You'll have to make that call. I mean, we're working from home. Mm. Um, you know, for the children, they can help with filing. You know, they can help with bookkeeping. There's, there's also things, all sorts of things that you can get them to do that, that makes sense for your household that you can compensate them for financially. Okay, that makes sense. Um, you, you know, there the are parents who worry about too much exposure. I mean, I know growing up, um, I feel like my mom had a, or my parents had a very, a decent conversation with me about money and how to save. Well, investing wasn't even a topic at that stage, but just how mm. to save and all of that. But money isn't a conversation that parents um, gravitate mm. to naturally. Mm. And some of them might worry that um, they don't want to expose their children too much into their finances. But I think there's a lot of lessons that we can get in there. But how do you, as a parent, respond to your child, for example, asking, how much money do you make, mom? Are we rich? Yeah. Um, so when you get those unexpected questions from your kids because you started mm. engaging with them about finances, mm. what should your reaction be? Again, it's, it's, it's specific to, to you as an individual. I mean, there's two ways of doing it. You can either tell them exactly what you own, you know, and there's mm-hmm. specific implications to that, or you can make up a figure that, that's ra- that, that makes sense. So for argument's sake, if your income is 10,000 rands a month, um, you, can, you can work out what your, your monthly expenses are, right? Mm-hmm. So how much do you pay for groceries? How much do you pay for petrol, water and lights, all of that? And you can tell them that that's your income. So let's just say for argument's sake, all your expenses amount to eight grand. You can say mommy makes eight grand a month and then show them exactly where that money goes. Because that, that does two things. Firstly, it, it shows them that it's a limited resource because mm. usually what they think you earn and what you actually earn are very different, right? Yeah. So they, they firstly get context into how much you make or how much you say you make. And then secondly, when you divulge um, what your monthly household expenses are, all of a sudden it changes the picture for them. Mm. You know, it it stops becoming a limitless pool of funds that they can just keep tapping into, you know, where, you know, because children are like that. I want sweets, I want toys, the the, the demands don't end. But if, if now all of a sudden they know mommy makes eight grand and our household expenses are seven and a half thousand rands, there's 500 rands to play around with and I've already had toys for 400 or whatever the case is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, make, yeah. it, 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 it helps you manage their expectations. Yeah, and I think it helps Give them the full picture. Yeah. yeah, so whether you give them the full picture of, of your income or a portion of it, make it in context of your expenses on a monthly basis. And that'll go a long way to, to managing or curbing the unlimited ones and demands. So when you eventually... <clears throat> excuse me so when you do treat them when you do take them out to mcdonald's or when you do buy them that xbox or whatever the case is it'll be so much more appreciated because now they have context mm. you know they fully understand that oh my goodness mommy's had to you know save her two rands for the last six months to get me to this point you know yeah. and and all of a sudden you create a 
a different kind of a child that appreciates money and appreciates that there's effort and there's work and it needs to be saved to get the things that you want. Okay, um, just one more thing. How do parents tackle teaching kids about money? I mean, back in the day, we used to have the piggy banks and all of that. Mm. But we're fast moving into a cashless society. So how do you move with the times? But you mentioned earlier that kids are tactile. So how do you then move with the times to teach them about money, teach them about saving and investing when they actually most of the time won't be seeing it? Yeah. So with younger children, you always start with the money box or the piggy bank Mm. because they're exactly that. They're tactile. So they need to physically see the money go into the money box for them to get the context of, oh, my gosh, my money's growing. You know, and, and once they, they, beyond the age of seven, when they start understanding concepts versus what's in front of them, you know, you can then move to, to the bank account. But, you know, that's when you teach the difference between saving for everyday expenses and putting money away for things that you are going to use later on or things that you're going to need later on. And you can split it, you know, you can still have the physical, whether it's a money box or whatever, however you want to represent, whether it's an envelope you know, a money bank, a money uh, piggy bank or a money box. I think there's, there's, we still need wallets, you know, for cash. Um, that, that'll always remain. Um, but having a bank account, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it because you go to the ATM, you show them the balance. It, it works in exactly the same way as, as a money box would work. You know, if, if there's 100 rands and I take 50, the, the balance is 50. And what am I going to do with that? So teaching them how to budget. So before you go to the ATM to spend your money or before you swipe it online, write down, you know, plan for it. Mm. You know, I, I, this money is supposed to, I've got X amount. It's supposed to last me for this long. So what can I spend? What can I spend it on to ensure how can I spend to ensure that I don't run out of money? I think the concepts remain the same. It's just the how, the, 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 implica- um, the implementation of it that, that differs, but the principles remain. Yeah. And and if you as as the adult or as the parent swipe a lot of the time, you will then have to teach the money principles in context of that. But if cash is your thing, then you'll have to teach them in context of, you know, having cash. So what are your thoughts about financial literacy in schools? Um, I mean, I was... I've done quite a lot of um, initiatives trying to teach children in schools about money, but the, the thing that was always apparent to me are the disparities between private schools and our local government schools. I mean, the things that the children in, in private schools know, I only found out about, I think, during my working years. I know you're at the forefront of this financial education initiative that you run. What are your thoughts on what's happening in that environment? I really think it's sad that um, financial literacy isn't prioritized in schools. Um, it's a basic life um, skill um, and, and one that should be prioritized because um, as, as a financial advisor to adults, I, I see how detrimental it is um, to not know how to manage your money because the issue is I can give you a rand, you know, and or I could give you 10 million rands if if the skill or if the understanding and the, of the, the lack of of discipline in managing your money um, is not understood giving you a rand and giving you 10 million rands will have exactly the same effect mm-hmm. you know you 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 really need to understand that it's it's mathematical if if I make 10 
and I spend 11, I, I'm, I'm at a negative. Whether that 10 is, is then followed by six other zeros or whether it's just a 10, the principle remains. And I've seen it so many times over the years. I've literally, um, you know, had a conversation on man or helped to manage some really wealthy um, individuals who had no clue, no clue whatsoever how to manage their money effectively. And the effects are detrimental. It really comes back to, you know, the fundamentals, not being taught how to manage your money, the absolute basics at a very young age. Because at the end of the day, you're building a habit. It's not something that you can learn overnight, you know, and, and it, the sooner it starts, the more effective you are at, at doing it. And um, I'm, as you said, I'm quite, I'm quite passionate about it. Um, I have visited a number of schools and we're trying to introduce these books, these concepts um, to the schools. But it's, it's shocking to me that, you know, in 2020, we're still having a conversation mm. about talking to children about money in schools and we're not actually doing it. You know, we're busy introducing all sorts of other subjects and changing the curriculum over the years. But at the end of the day, we're not giving children the practical life skills to help them, you know, um, be effective citizens of the world. Mm. And this is a start. This, this is an important start to that. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. It's it's very it's sad and it's it's challenging for me to it's it doesn't make sense to me why we don't prioritize mm. education, financial education in particular in our mm. schools, even at a high school level at least, you know, just starting to mm. introduce the concepts. If you compare us with other mm. countries, mm. we are literally a thousand steps behind, which is really sad because it has quite a ripple effect on our economy. If you, if yeah, you really sure. tie it, want to tie yeah, it back sure. to that. But you know, in, in our defense, um, yeah, I shouldn't be defending it, but globally the situation isn't that great either. Mm. Yes. There are certain pockets. I mean, cause I do the work I, I do the, the, I research quite a bit on what, what's happening internationally. It really isn't mm. that much better. You know, and if you look at global financial literacy rates, we, we are not faring that badly compared to, I mean, it's not great, but yeah. we compare, um, I mean, our, the, the last survey that I saw, it's, 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 it's oldish, but we were sitting at about 42% financial literacy rates in South Africa. Globally, the financial literacy rate of the same survey was around 33%. Okay. You know, yeah. So, so when you look at it in context, the world is looking exactly the same when it comes to lack of financial, personal financial management principles and knowledge. Um, but it's still not a good thing. You know, yeah. we shouldn't be okay with that because we, we, we compare, you know, relatively the same to, to global standards. And then obviously there's various pockets like the Scandinavian countries um, where they fare a lot better when it comes mm. to, to this. Um, but, but still, yeah, we, we definitely, and it's such an easy fix. This is what, this is what's maddening about this. Yeah. Thing, easy fix the resources are there the people who who have this information it's all it's not rocket science it literally is at your fingertips it's on google you know so they don't have to they don't have to pay millions of rands to create curriculums they, they really don't it yeah. really googling this information putting it into a book and giving it to children it's as simple as that but yeah, yeah it's, it's not happening yeah very sad 
Yeah, but at least we've got, I think the the current, I think our age group is actually starting to get a lot more involved with their finances. So I think those Mm. numbers are going to Mm. change naturally. So as the government Mm. always say, you mustn't rely on them to make those changes. We need to make those changes Mm. within ourselves. So I think Mm. platforms like these and yours as well actually empower parents and their children Mm. to start thinking that Mm. way. So hopefully our numbers are going to change soon. But it would obviously be nice if we had a more... um, direct um, push from government and all our structures to to make it happen. Yeah. And the interesting thing is is that it's women who are are driving this Mm. for their children and for themselves. That's what I find so fascinating about this drive towards, you know, enlightenment, if if for lack of a better word. Um, Women are seeking me for themselves um, to be their financial advisors and they're also seeking this information for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at our, I mean, I, I look at our, our social media statistics. So our followers, who our followers are, yeah. Um, yeah. online and and people who communicate and and, and request information from me, it's eighty percent female. Eighty percent female. Hey. Yeah, that's impressive. So yeah, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I also find it very very interesting, very impressive actually. We're moving. We're making strides in the right direction. Absolutely. Slow, but we're we're getting there. At least we're getting there. We we taking the ball by the horns. We're not relying on somebody else to do it for us. So for sure, sure. Cool. So you've talked a little bit about your financial literacy classes that you host for children. I'm really keen to hear about that. What are they? How do they work? Uh, before the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> We were hosting financial literacy sessions for for kids. Um, So we were grouping the kids in terms of age groups. Uh, We start nine, age nine, uh, purely because from age nine, children are able to write and read, you know, and they Mm. they can sit independently in a class without their parents or their teacher. So it makes life a little bit easier for me. We'd love to host younger um, children, but it just makes sense for us and our business and where we are. Um, to start at age nine um, all the way up till age 18. And, and it's what I said to you earlier. It's all this information that it's not rocket science. I don't make this, this, this stuff up. It's, it's personal finance concepts that, that we, we teach adults. But like I said, we've just distilled them in a way that, that makes sense for children. So from the very basics, what is a budget? You know, very practically, what, what does that mean? You know, what, what is saving and what, what is investing? When do you save? When do you invest? you know, um, teaching them what, what investments actually are and, and the very basic concept of investing. And then we play a few games, you know, something to get them going and excited. But mm. it's, it's, it's fascinating to me how children just lap up this information. It's, it's, it's exciting for them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's obviously stuff that they don't get to learn at school. And it really, really is cool. So we've developed a workbook for them where they can write down all these things, their goals, how to plan, how to, you know, to, to set goals for themselves. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite cool. So we're hoping. Um, and then I've hosted quite a few online sessions, but they're not as effective as, as yeah. face-to-face because the, session, the time is limited as well. I think, we were, I think I was doing about 30 minutes at a time. And then I've had to break up the sessions into like three or four different online sessions. And it just practically, it just doesn't, make as much sense particularly for the for the younger sort of age group mm. so i'm hoping that you know once once we get over this this period sorry that's my son in the background okay <laughs> <laughs> once we get over this 
this period um, we can get back into the classes where we can teach the young ones again about money. Okay, just um, touching on the lessons that you include in your classes, how do you teach a nine-year-old about budgeting? You know, um, I've learned that over the last couple of months. It's it's like I said to you, it, it needs to be practical to them. Mm. So you need to give them make sense to them. So, you know, talk about the things that they like. You know, what typical nine-year-olds like to do. They like going to McDonald's and getting a burger and chips with their friends. You know, they like going to the movies. Um, I don't know, nine-year-old girls, are, I think they're at that stage where, you know, lip gloss is fascinating. Um, you know, little things like that. Yeah. Huge clothes. Well, how do we how do we access those things? You know, we need to get money. Okay, where does money come from? Uh, I can either be given the money um, or I can work for the money. So as a nine-year-old, how are you able to work for the money? Because you can't get a job. Mm. So you know, it's, it's those kind of things that we start, it's almost like, what, what is the word? Yeah, we start, we start playing almost like a guessing game with them to say, so, so what would you do for money, you know, as a nine-year-old? Yeah. And, and what are you going to do for money? And then they, start, they shout out all these answers. They're very, very <laughs> fascinating at that age because the world is their oyster. Mm. Uh, I can bake cupcakes and sell them to the neighbors or whatever the case is. And then, okay, so how much are you going to make? I'm going to make 100 rands. Okay, how much is the lip gloss going to cost me? 50 rands. Then I have change. That's a budget. Yeah. You know, in a very simple way, uh, that's a budget. And then as they grow, then so too does the, so too do the amounts that, that we start budgeting with. But yeah, it's, 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 it's been a process of trial and error. Like I said, it's, it's mm. understanding the adult concepts and then sort of making them age appropriate. And, and that's what we've been doing. It's, it's all the stuff that, that we give, all the information that we give to adults. So the financial plan that I'll create for an adult. Okay, so, and then you start stripping out all the things that don't make sense for a child until you get to a place or a point where it's like, okay, this, this is for a child. This would make sense. Yeah. And this yeah. is something that understand and it, it's it's been working okay cool so i have all your books i bought the the whole box set um where can people mm. find you if they want to book a class or buy a book uh the books are available at take a lot um they're available uh on amazon and they're available on our website. That's www.my3p.com. Um, and we deliver with, with all three platforms. You'll be able to order online and, and get your books. Um, as I said, the classes at the moment, we've had to sort of put a halt on it. But if, if people can follow us on our social media platforms, um, Instagram and Twitter is, I just have to remember, Instagram and Twitter is my3piggies underscore ZA and Facebook is just my three piggies. So if you look out for my three piggies, you'll find the page there. So we, we always post um, whenever we have a, an upcoming class, um, all the details are usually on there. So if, if people can follow us, um, all the details will be there. And before, before I forget, mm-hmm. um, we, we, it's savings month. Yes. Um, I don't know if your listeners are aware but we're running a 90-day savings challenge. Okay. And um, we're encouraging people to, to sort of save money over the next 90 days. Well, starting from the 1st of July for, for 90 days. And it's, it's actually quite an exciting thing. And we, all the concepts that we teach the, the kids in the class, um, I'm sort of trying to, to get across 
um, to them during this period. But it's not just for kids, it's for kids and their parents. Okay. Where we talk about personal finance concepts. So every week there's a video. Um, I've roped in all my friends in the industry um, to, to teach a, a concept a week, right? And it's very quick. The videos are less than two minutes. I've seen where those. They're actually quite cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we discuss a different topic every week um, just to get people going, you know, to understand what, what the absolute basic concepts are and, and what they mean for them all while trying to get people to save over the 90 days. And I think it's such an easy challenge, the 90-day challenge, that mm. it's something that you can, you can do for the long term. And the reason why we're doing it, it's a daily challenge. So you save a specific amount every day. The reason why we do that is because it's been proven. There's a lot of research out there um, that shows that, you know, in order for you to, to create the habit of saving or of putting money away, it starts with small steps. Mm. You know, you're never going to be putting away 10,000 rands a month if you don't know how to put away 10 cent a day. True. You know, and it's just the habit of, it's, it's all these incremental steps that you take to get to the bigger um, pot of, of gold, if you will. And, and, and that's, that's the logic behind um, this thing. So if, if they follow us on our social media platforms, they'll get access to all of that information. Awesome. Very, very, very cool. Um, so this show is called Stripped Money Conversations. And you've talked about all the myths you've busted and all the people that you've helped understand their finances. Can you strip one money term down to its most simple explanation? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm stumped there. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Saving. Okay. I'm going to talk about saving and investing because I think this is, this is, this is, I've, I've often seen that this is where people struggle. These are the two concepts that people struggle with the most. Okay. Saving is you putting money away. So you are physically working for the money and sorry, that's my son again, okay. but, um, saving is you physically working and putting that money away, right? So if the savings target is 10,000 rands, you physically have to work for the 10,000 rands and put each cent away, right? Investing, on the other hand, is your money working for you. So it's taking the money that you've saved, the money that you've worked for, and getting it to create more money for you. So if the target with investing is 10,000 rands, you don't physically have to come up with the 10,000 rands. You come up with a fraction of it and then you watch that money grow over time. Now, it depends on how much you start with, right? So that'll determine how long it's going to take for you to get to that investment goal. And this is what I always try to tell people who, who, who delay um, the investing process is that you are literally throwing money down the drain by, mm -hmm. by delaying the starting point of your investments because that is free money. Literally investing is free money over the long term. And, and again, the, the two differences between you know, the, the, the major difference again, between saving and investing is saving is, is a short term measure, right? And investing is a long term measure. So you cannot tell me that you're saving for the next 20 years because again, you are, you are throwing money down the drain. Um, and you cannot be investing over the short term because it just doesn't work like that. So if, if you are wanting to make as much money as possible with as little effort as possible, you do best to invest as early as possible. But if you have a short term goal that you're working towards, then you are saving towards that goal. 
I hope, I hope that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's it's been one of the most comprehensive <laughs> explanations I've heard um, comparing the two because I think a lot of people confuse the two and they yes. use them interchangeably, which is which yes. shouldn't be the case. Yes. All the time. I see it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Guku, for joining me on this session. I think it's been really enlightening. Um, I really, I'm really excited about the future um, of our children, if they, if it's, if even mm. if a little part of it is in your hands, because I, I can sense the passion. So, thank you for joining me okay. in today's show. Thank you so much for having me. You're doing great work there, and keep it up as well. Thank you. We have an exciting giveaway for this episode. Simply let us know the main thing that stood out for you in this conversation by tagging my3piggies underscore ZA and stripped money on Twitter or Instagram to stand a chance to win all three books. Nala and the Save, Invest and Share Piggy Bank. I truly believe that this is the one gift that you want to give your children. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us your ears. Catch us on the social media streets on Facebook at Stripped the Podcast, on Instagram at Stripped underscore the podcast, and on the Twitter streets, Stripped underscore podcast.